Christmas to everyone. My name is Stuart Mazell. I am the lead pastor here, and it's great to see all of you here today. And thank you for those of you who are joining us along online. If you are a visitor and you're looking for a church home, we would love for you to consider being a part of Westminster. We are not a perfect church, but we are a church that loves Jesus, and we are a church that tries to love one another well. And that's really all we've got right now. But that's okay, because that's all that really God requires, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. On all of that, everything else stands. So today we're going to be finishing up our series called Responding to Jesus. We've seen how Herod responded to Jesus. We've seen how the wise men responded to Jesus. We've even seen how the shepherds responded to Jesus. Today we're going to be looking at a man named Simeon. And so you're going to find this at the end of Luke 2, uh, or near the end of Luke 2, verses 25 through 35. And this is God's word from Luke 2, starting with 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the customs of the law, he took him in, up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let me pray for us. Um, Lord Jesus, we are thankful, uh, thankful that you came into the darkness of this world as the light. Uh, we're thankful that you are our salvation. Uh, we're thankful that we can celebrate and worship you. Would you, by your spirit, give us what we need to hear today that we would find you to truly be our all in all. And Jesus, we pray this in your name and for your glory, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, our one true God. Amen. In uh, 1965, 
a musician rolled out of bed and noticed something strange. He always kept a cassette player right by his bed, but he noticed that it had been used throughout the night. He had put a new cassette in earlier, but now the cassette was no longer at the beginning, it was at the end. 45 minutes of tape had been used up. Well, it was a mystery, so he had to find out what was on this tape, so he rewound the tape and he pushed play. What he heard was a few minutes of guitar playing, his drowsy voice clearly indicating that he was only semi-conscious, and it all eventually faded away into about 40 minutes of him snoring. But those few minutes of sleep-composed and perhaps dream-induced musical creativity led Keith Richards to present the idea to Mick Jagger, and together they wrote one of the Rolling Stones' biggest hits, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. I don't know if you knew that about that song. I thought I always loved that story. And I like the song. But I will say this about the song. I think that the song stands as a theme song for our age. Think about it. How many people do you know who are truly satisfied with their lives? How many people in this room can say that they're truly satisfied with their lives? We try, and we try, and we try, and we try. But true satisfaction just doesn't come, does it? We're chasing after the wrong things. Today, we've been talking about how all of these people in the scriptures have these responses to Jesus. And today, we're going to be looking at the Simeon response. And the Simeon response, according to this passage, to Jesus is joyful contentment and satisfaction. Simeon's response to Jesus is joyful contentment and satisfaction. Let's take a look at how this passage plays this out. Verse 25, we see, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout. He was a follower of God. He was someone who tried to live according to what God had said. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. We don't know exactly how this happened. Was it in a dream? Was it a whisper? Was it a voice speaking from the clouds? We don't know. But we do know that the Holy Spirit had told Simeon, you will not die until you see the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one who is going to save his people from their sins. Verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, 
And when the parents, that's Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, in other words, they were bringing him to be circumcised because that's what the law required of Jewish boys. Verse 28, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Okay, before we start to talk about what he said, think about that. You're bringing your newborn little baby, maybe seven days old, into this sanctuary, and some person just randomly, that you don't know, randomly comes up and grabs your baby and starts talking about your baby. That's kind of nuts. But that's exactly what happened here. And here's what Simeon said, verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Do you see what he's saying? Simeon is saying, I can now die in peace. I'm content. I'm satisfied. Because what I've been longing for has come. The salvation that I need, the salvation that our people need, the salvation that people all over the world need has come. And now I'm satisfied. I'm joyfully content. You know, it is interesting to me reading and, and, and looking at um, the debate about how old Simeon actually was. There are many Christians who believe that Simeon was an old man. They make that assumption because he says he's ready to die. But if you look at the actual words of Scripture, it, it's not there. His age is not there. We're making assumptions. He could have been old. Maybe he really was old. But he also could have been middle-aged. He could have been fairly young. We don't know. All we know is the Holy Spirit had told him, you will not die until you see the Christ. We don't know how long ago that was. We don't know how long he had been waiting. All we really know is that the Holy Spirit told him that, and then when he saw Jesus, he said, I'm now ready to go on in peace. That's all we've got. I personally think it's very telling that we assume Simeon was an old man. Because we assume no one under a certain age, would ever say, I'm now ready to die. I'm content. I'm satisfied with my life. If God takes me right now, it's okay. Again, I think that's really telling of what's really going on in our own hearts. That we love the things of this world so much that the greatest treasure, who is Jesus, we fail to see just how treasureful he is. And we look at other things and we say, but I want this more. 
I remember when I was uh, in my early 20s, and I thought I'd hear sermons about Jesus returning. Thank you, Paul, for your introduction to the service today, reminding us of Jesus' return. And, I, and I've thought about, I thought about how when I was in my 20s, I would hear those sermons and I would say, yeah, I want Jesus to come back, but not until I have a wife. Not until I've had an opportunity to do X, Y, and Z. Not until, not until, not until. And you know what? Now I recognize all those things are dumb compared to Jesus. They really are. Not that they're not good. Not that they're not wonderful in this life. They're all wonderful things in this life. But Jesus is better than anything that we can have in this life. No matter what Christmas present you open this morning, when you see Jesus face to face, you'll forget all about that gift. That's the truth. And that's what Simeon saw. That's why he had such joyful contentment and satisfaction because he was holding the Messiah in his arms and he knew my time has now come. I can die in peace because Jesus is here. The Savior is here. The Lord of lords and King of kings is here. Folks, only Jesus can bring us this level of true well-being. Only Jesus can bring us the kind of well-being where we say, I'm now ready to pass on in peace. I am content. I am satisfied. Again, let's look at these words that he says, verse 29. Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Listen to this, folks. Whether you are a believer or not, this is true. Seeing Jesus is seeing salvation. It's seeing salvation right in the face. Our sin has broken the relationship between us and God. Every time we have failed to live up to God's standard, we've broken more and more and more of our relationship with God. But God so loved the world, as we read earlier today, that He sent Jesus as the gift of eternal life. And when we look at Him, we're seeing salvation. Jesus is the one who restores us to that right relationship. I can't do it by working hard enough. I can't do it by doing enough things. I can't do it by being a member of a church. I can't do it by anything that I do. It's only Jesus and Jesus alone that gives salvation. But of course, Simeon didn't just simply see Jesus, did he? It's not like he walked into the temple and saw, oh, hey, there's Jesus. I can now die in peace. That's not what he did, did he? What did he do? He went up to Jesus and he embraced him. He didn't just look from a distance. He didn't just say, yeah, that's salvation over there. That would be nice. I'm glad it's there. Maybe one day. 
No, he embraced Jesus and the salvation that Jesus brings. And we too are the kind of people that when we see Jesus, we shouldn't just look at him and say, that's beautiful what he has provided, but I've got other things I want more. Many of us do that. But we have to embrace Jesus by faith to have salvation. It's not good enough just to see it. It needs to be embraced to believe that He is salvation, not just in general terms, but for me. I'm the sinner. I'm the one who deserves judgment. I'm the one who has broken my relationship with God, and I need to be rescued. And Jesus is my only hope. And we embrace Him for all that He is because He is our salvation. Think about the words Simeon told Mary. Verse 34 and following. So Simeon's holding this baby and he's saying these words and the the mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, they they are wondering, they are marveling at this man. Marveling at what he's saying. And then he turns to Mary and he says... I want you to know something. This child, he's appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. He's going to have a sign that's going to be opposed. A sword is going to pierce through your own soul because of him. And the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. There are a lot of things we can talk about with this, but I want to focus on that one last part. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Here's what I've learned about Jesus as being a pastor in the Bible Belt, in a Christian culture, in an area where I meet people all the time. In fact, I hope they're not here today. I, I met them. I don't mean that. Um, someone last night showed up and they said, oh, yeah, we're members of Westminster. And I thought, really? I've never seen you. I've never heard your name. I have no idea who you are. I didn't say that, but that was what I was thinking. How can you be a member of a church and I don't even know who you are as the pastor? Never heard your name mentioned before. That's the culture we live in. But I can tell you one thing. When you talk about church, people can say, oh yeah, I belong to that church, I belong to that church, or I'm a member of that church, or yeah, I used to go to that church, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to go to church. Church is one thing. Jesus is something completely different. When you start talking about Jesus, what's in your heart gets revealed. Because you can't stare Jesus in the face without either saying, I want him in my life, or I don't. I know there's a third option. I know that there are people who would say, well, maybe I would like to have him, but not right now. But you know what that ultimately is? If it doesn't change, it's a I don't. But Jesus 
is so amazing. Jesus is so wonderful. Jesus is everything. And if we don't get that as Christians, no wonder our nation is going down the toilet. No wonder the world is swirling down. Because if they can't see that we're excited about Jesus, the only hope of the world, well, no wonder they're turning to everything else to try to satisfy themselves. Once again, I turn to the man, the myth, the legend, Octavius Winslow. This has been an Octavius Winslow year for me. I don't know who turned me on to this guy, but everything I read by him, I've been like, oh, that's so good. I want to read an extended quote to you because I think it sums up where we all ought to be when we look at Jesus. Are you ready for this? Here it is. The sight of Jesus is a soul-satisfying spectacle. The penitent soul is satisfied for it sees in Jesus a free pardon of sin. The condemned soul is satisfied for it receives in Jesus a free justification. The believing soul is satisfied for it discovers in Jesus a fountain of all grace. The tried, tempted, sorrowful soul is satisfied for it experiences in Jesus all consolation, sympathy, and love. Oh, what an all-satisfying portion is Jesus. He satisfies every holy desire for He realizes it. He satisfies every craving need for He supplies it. He satisfies every sore grief, for He soothes it. He satisfies the deepest yearnings, the highest aspirations, the most sublime hopes of the renewed soul, for all these center and end in Him. Oh, what a Savior is Jesus Christ! He is the chief among 10,000. Look at his sinless yet real humanity without a single taint yet sympathizing with us in all our various conditions, our afflictions, our temptations, our infirmities, our griefs. Now that he is in glory, he is still cherishing a brother's heart bending down His ear to our petitions, ever standing near to catch our sighs, to dry our tears, to provide for our needs, to guide by His counsel, and afterwards to receive us to glory. Oh, what a Savior is Jesus Christ! When He is known, all other beings are eclipsed. When His beauty is seen, all other beauty fades. When His love is felt, he becomes supremely enthroned in the infections. To know Him more becomes the one desire of the renewed mind. And to make Him more known is the one aim of the Christian life. Oh, what a Savior is Jesus Christ. That, my friends, will preach.
My question is, do we see Jesus that way? Or is Jesus kind of ho-hum to us? Yeah, Jesus, you know, Jesus is just all right with me. I don't know where you are today, but I will tell you this. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us to experience Jesus this way. Whether you know Jesus this way or you don't, here's the truth you need to know. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us to experience Jesus this way. We can't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and say, okay, I want to love Jesus more. The Holy Spirit is the one who works in us so that our affections are brought away from the things of this world and put on Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one who does that. Notice in this passage how many times the Spirit is mentioned. Verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Verse 27, and he came in the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, and he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God. I mean, think about this. How many children had Simeon seen coming into the temple? over whatever that period of time was. We have no idea. It could have been hundreds. It could have been three. We don't know. How did he know which child was the Messiah? The Holy Spirit opened his eyes to see. Otherwise, he was just looking at any other baby. And that may be the way you look at Jesus. He's just any other person. But when the Holy Spirit really opens your eyes and you start to see the beauty and the wonder and the goodness of who Jesus is, you're continually drawn back to Him even if you start to slide away. It's been my experience. That's been the experience of Christians all throughout the ages. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes opens our hearts, opens our lives to receive, to see and receive and embrace Jesus. So what's an action point for today? Again, I don't know where any of you may really be. I know many of you have been here for all your lives and you've Name the name of Jesus, but I can't see your heart. Maybe Jesus to you is an opportunity to celebrate Christmas and open Christmas gifts. Maybe Jesus is to you an opportunity to show up on a Sunday morning and get dressed up and see all your friends. Maybe Jesus to you is a ticket out of hell, but that's it. What we all need, me included, is for the Holy Spirit to show us just how awesome Jesus really is. 
So your action point is this. Pray. Pray for the Spirit to bring you joyful contentment and satisfaction in Christ. Pray, Holy Spirit, bring me joyful contentment and satisfaction in Jesus. Show me more of Jesus. Show me who He really is. Show me what He's like. Show me what I'm missing when I'm not looking at Him. Show me, Spirit. I was uh, contemplating just this morning uh, as my children were opening their gifts. And uh, we had to press pause because of the service. And they're like, come on, Dad, let's hurry up. Come on, hurry up, hurry up, come on. We gotta open some more presents. And I remember being like that as a child. I do. Excitement over the presents. But you know what happened every single year? The year I got Star Wars action figures. I remember I got a Boba Fett. I was so excited about that Boba Fett. You know where that Boba Fett is now? probably buried out in my backyard somewhere because I forgot where I buried him. I remember one year getting a Stretch Armstrong, and I was so excited about Stretch Armstrong. You know what happened at Stretch Armstrong? I wanted to see what makes him stretchy, and so I cut his arm off to see what was inside. It wasn't pretty. I remember a year where I got this thing. It was called the Monster Maker. Now, this is really, this is really a bizarre gift. It was a plaster-making um, thing where you put plaster in this mold, and it makes a monster, and then you paint it. And I was so excited about that, and I used that so much. That was probably one of those gifts that I used the most over my childhood. I have no idea what happened to it. It's all gone. And you know, even if I was one of those collector people who, you know, I get the Star Wars action figure and I don't even take it out of the package and I keep it for my children's children, you know those folks? Even if I did that, there's no guarantee that my children's children will want that, will think it's worth something. Eventually, every gift we receive It's either going to be lost or stolen or sold to someone else or thrown away. Every single gift except Jesus. Let that sink in. And let that show you, even as you go home and enjoy your gifts today, let that enjoyment bring you back to the greatest enjoyment of who Jesus is and how no matter what, as you embrace him, you will never lose what he has for you. So by the work of the Spirit, let's celebrate Jesus today and always as our all in all. Let me pray that we'll be able to do that. Lord, help me to see Jesus as the highest prize. Holy Spirit, please work in me 
that my love for Jesus would surpass my love for everything else. And not just me, but all who are hearing this message, all who will hear this message. Let them see and savor you for who you really are, Jesus. Our Savior, our King, our Lord, our Redeemer, the lover of our soul, the beauty and wonder, the fountain of all life, eternal life itself, our salvation. Let us see all of that and let everything else fade as we gaze into your glory. And this we pray, Jesus, again, in your name and for your glory. Amen.